I am very honored to be able to preach again here. I must not have done too poorly first time. But one of the one of the uh, the perks of preaching is you can do. I mean, I can take out my cell phone if I want. Did you know that? I'm surprised Pastor doesn't go take advantage of this opportunity. Anyone else have a cell phone with them? Let's see. Do you have it with you? Yes. Can you take it out? Wow. Lisa, oh, is that Lisa? You, you, she got that way too fast. It should not be that easy to find. We have these cell phones are great. The smartphone. Yeah. Look, everyone has one of these phones. I got a. I really like this one. It's called iPhone Six. Anyone else have iPhone Six? No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They do back there. Um, I used to have the iPhone Five, but now I have the iPhone Six, and it was like it's like I once was blind, but now I see having this iPhone. Right? Right? I, these phones can do everything. This phone, I could I could call you, but no one really uses these for calling, do they? No. Like like if I wanted to get a hold of my wife Jenny, the least efficient way would be to call her. I could text her, I could email her, send like a carrier pigeon, a raven. They would all be more efficient getting a hold of her. But you can do some cool things on these phones. Like I went to the movie two nights ago and I bought the tickets on my phone and then I used the phone as my ticket. Do you know you can do that? It's pretty cool. Yeah, you just scan it and they let you in. It has maps and GPS, which I am bad at directions, so I use that all the time. I can get scores to the games. I'm sure you know that. I can, recently a new one, you can pay for street parking in Chicago using your phone. You don't even need quarters. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I also, I have a ruler on my phone, but I've never used it though, so. Um, all these new technologies, they come out, they make our lives so much better. Or do they? Maybe. Yeah. We pick up this Sunday in the, book of, in the book of Job. If you remember, we learned, talked about Job last week, we learned about how the book of Job is about a man named Job. Good. Paying attention. Make sure you're not downloading that ruler app, so paying attention still. No, you want it. Anyway. Pastor Mark talked about how Job was a guy who lost everything he had, and the majority of the first 38 chapters of Job have his friends trying to give him answers to explain why everything was happening to him. Yes, you're nodding. You remember. Good. They remember. Yeah. yeah. That's done a good job. So they, they've been trying to explain things to him for 38 chapters, and then, then God comes, and in, in verse 38, God gives them a response, which I think is one of, one of the best comebacks, kind of, in world history, where God says to Job and his friends, he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? He's like, he's like I made the world and everything in it, so where were you? So like, shut up, if that's what he's saying. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in church, I'm sorry. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Should I keep going? I'll keep going. <laughs> okay. But this response, this comeback from Job, it really worked for Job. In Job 42, which is our text for this morning, as Lucas read so well, Job gets it. He says, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And in verse 6, he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Which is a different version reads, my, ear had, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I had heard of you, but now my eyes seen you. Job says he'd previously only heard about God, but now he was able to see him. It's like maybe, maybe he used to have like a flip phone where he could only call God, but now he's got the video. He can do video messaging. No. Job didn't actually see God the way that like, we can see each other right now, but he's describing this way of growing 
uh, of becoming more aware of who God is and who, what God is doing. He says, before I'd only heard of you, but now I can see. And God, one of the things we're talking about today, is God is in the business of making people see, making people understand more, of, of becoming more aware of who God is and what God is doing and what God wants and where we fit and all that. Of, of helping people grow and improve and understand, of taking them from point A to point B, from point B to point C, of showing us how big God is and how great God is and how God has worked, wants to work, and is already working. Of showing each one of us that there's always more. And God does this in many ways through many situations. Right, I talked about Job, we'll come back to him, but, but another way we see is come from Mark chapter 10. Mark 10 reads that, that Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. They saw a blind man named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sitting by the roadside. And Bartimaeus said, to, said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It says people told him to be quiet, but he kept shouting even louder. So Jesus calls him over and says, what do you want me to do to you? It's like, come, come on, Jesus, he's a blind beggar. What do you think he wants you to do for him? He wants to see. But still, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus said, let me see again. And so Jesus replies, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus down the road. This healing of the blind is one of the, maybe the most famous things Jesus did, right? We all knew he's done this before. We've heard other times he's done it, like putting mud on that one guy's eyes. It's a different guy. So multiple people Jesus has made see. And these stories, these events, these miracles, they're, they're first to show us that God has the power to make the blind see, right? Yes? But they're also there to like, show us about, about God and about God's character, about the things that God wants and wants to happen. To show that God wants this man to see, maybe he wants everyone to see. And so since God is in the business of making people see, he's probably also in the business of making us see. Just like with Job, the seeing is not only with our eyes, but it's this bigger concept, an awareness, an understanding, which is much bigger than just vision. If we go back to the question Jesus asks Bartimaeus of, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? If, if Jesus asked you this question, would you, would you even know what to say? Maybe you're sick, you have some sort of disease or illness, so maybe it's a very easy answer for you. But, but I think there's a lot of people, maybe Christians, maybe non-Christians, who, who wouldn't want Jesus to do anything because it would mean they'd have to change. Right? We don't like to change. We, we, we like to stay the way we are. We like our, our routines and our comfort zones. Um, but sometimes Jesus pushes us out of our comfort zones. If you don't believe me, ask any of those youth who went to Chicago with us a few weeks ago. So as we start talking about God making us see, about healing us, about changing us, making us grow closer to Him, the first question to ask ourselves is, what do we even want God to do? Maybe there's, there's other people who'd, who'd say to God, I, I want to go to heaven when I die. And, and maybe a little more money wouldn't hurt, a little bigger house. But as long as I'm going to heaven and don't have to change too much, I, I'd be pretty happy with that. But, but that's not how this following God thing is supposed to work. There can be so much more. Because I said these miracles teach us about God's character, so these miracles have God healing real people while on earth. He did not just give them a blessing or give them instructions on how to get to heaven. He 
She was interested in, in bringing about God's kingdom, maybe the way or the reality of God. And this God's kingdom is a place where the blind will see, where everyone will have enough, where there will be no more sin or suffering, where everything will be how it's supposed to be. I think the best thing we could ask God to do for us is to make us better kingdom people, better people who live for God's kingdom here and now. Earlier in this book, Mark chapter 1, the very first words Jesus says is, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here and now, it's at hand. It's not, it's not only this eternal life, this heaven that we have to look forward to, but until then we're called to live into this kingdom right now. See, in our lives, I think God making us see about, of helping us go from a place of maybe only hearing about God to seeing God means we will live less for this world and more for the kingdom of God. What do you want me to do for you? Do you have an answer? Do you, is your answer as easy as it was for the blind man? Or is there some other area that when you really think about it, you need God to come in and change you and heal you? Well, sometimes to bring us closer to God, God asks us what we want Him to do, and He does it. In other times, it's not quite as clear as with Job. As we heard last week, Job lost everything. And I bet if God was like, Job, what do you want me to do for you? One of the things Job would say would be, don't let me lose everything, right? Probably would be like a standard ask. But the story of Job shows us that sometimes we will suffer. Sometimes we will lose what's closest to us. And Jesus, he, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But Job, the great part of the story is that Job shows that God works through the suffering. Through Job's suffering, he went from a place of saying, at first I could only hear you, but now I can see you. I'm sure if, if you think back, you all have a time in your life when things were not going great. Maybe, maybe you lost a job, you quit a job, you moved to a new place, you lost a friend, broke up from a relationship. Maybe like Job, you didn't know why all this was happening. But then maybe after it's done, you're able to look back and see that God was working through that to move you from a place of maybe only hearing about God to a place where now you can see God. Where you can see how God was working through your life always, even in the hard times. I mean, maybe, maybe it took a long time to figure this out. Maybe you're still in pain, still suffering, still haven't figured out how God is working. And that's okay, too. It, it took Job a long time to figure it out. It took Job about 42 chapters to move from a place of hearing to seeing. These aren't, these aren't just like 42 chapters of like the, the Hunger Games or something. These are 42 chapters of Old Testament prose. That's a long time if, if you want to read them. It's a long time. But this is all... It's a very complicated topic. I don't want to suggest that God is up in heaven and choosing which people bad things will happen to and which people good things will happen to. I don't think he's up there saying, you will get in a car crash today and you will get a promotion at work. I don't, just don't think he's doing that. I, I think there's sin and I think there's evil and I think there's brokenness in the world and these things have consequences. Just because there's evil doesn't mean that God caused the evil. But the hope is... That God works in all things. 
He works through the good and he works through the bad, always trying to bring us closer to him. In both of our stories, the person God was working with moved closer to God and began following him. Job continued to follow him and the blind man, Bartimaeus, started following him. It's very important that we we hold these two ways that God works together. But sometimes God asks what we want him to do. And in other times, like Job, we don't get what we want. We face the pain and the suffering. We are going to suffer. And through the suffering, whether whether we like it or not, it's going to shape us somehow, some way. Maybe we'll become more, more bitter about life. Maybe we'll become better people because of it. Maybe we'll become more like shut off or maybe we'll become more open. Maybe we become more closed-minded or more aware, more or less tuned in to God, to God's presence, God's comfort, God's hope, God's faithfulness, the way God's working in the world and the way that we fit in. And God is on our side. He wants to help us see. He wants to help us change. Another way we can think of this growing comes from Psalm chapter 18. The psalmist writes, God brought me out into a spacious place. You ever heard that? I really like that one. He brought me out into a spacious place, an open place. Talking about there's something about our relationship with God that makes us more aware, more open to his kingdom, to the things he's doing in the ways that we can partner with God brought me out into a spacious place. But this going to a spacious place of seeing, this changing is a hard thing to do. To move from hearing to seeing. I think part of the reason it's really hard is because we live in a world and in a culture that doesn't care so much about these things. It's very easy to get distracted and to, to lose sight of what's important. See, the things the world gives importance to bring us to a, to a smaller space, not a more open one. It cares about growing and changing and getting better, but maybe in the wrong ways. There's a, there's a comedian I like. He's not a Christian, but he has this line. He says, everything's amazing, but nobody's happy. Okay? Everything's amazing, but nobody's happy. I'll explain how many, raise your hand if you've ever flown on an airplane. Raise your hand. Look around, most of us. Yeah, most people. Okay. Now my second question is, raise your hand if you've ever um, complained about flying on an airplane. Yeah. All same people. We all do it. We all complain about flying on airplanes. And most of our stories, they go something like this. They say, we were just waiting there and we didn't get to board for 25 minutes. And then we got on, but I was in, in the Z group, so I got on last, and I was in the back middle seat, and I was trapped, and I was, had no leg room, and I put my seatbelt on, and we got ready to go, but then the pilot made us wait there for another 20 minutes, and it was the worst day of my life. Right? <laughs> Heard those stories. And, and to, to those people, it's like, it's like, oh, really? What did you do next? Fly through the air? <laughs> like a bird. <laughs> yeah. It's a miracle, flight. You're in a chair in the, in the sky. <laughs> but, but all we do is complain about it. <laughs> Same with our phones. I already told you about my phone, but a lot of people, they complain about their phones. 
say, I don't know how to work this. I say, what's an app, right? Well, once you figure it out, your phone, you'll find new things to complain about. Like, like why isn't this text sending? If, if, if take, a text takes more than two seconds to send, I get annoyed. You forget that it's going to outer space and back. Also now, all of our phones, they connect to Wi-Fi. This is the one thing I complain about. So it's wireless internet. This is the main thing I complain about lately is that it's too slow. Wi-Fi is too slow. On our mission trip, we had a, uh, maybe our best discussion was about what if trees gave off Wi-Fi instead of oxygen? <laughs> um, it w one hand, it would be pretty hard to breathe, but think about you know, how good the signal would be. We complain about these things, but they're amazing. I heard that the phones, I heard stories that the phones used to be connected to the wall by a rope. Okay. I'll move on. Talk about phones all day. These are silly examples. They're very silly, but, but, but I think they show that, that we're living in this, this time, in this culture where everything is amazing, but still no one is really happy with it. No one's like, wow, we've made it. No, they're not like that. I mean, flying should be the most incredible thing ever, but we don't. We complain about it. See, when you see, when you look around and you see all these things that are supposedly so amazing, but yet see that nobody's really happy, it makes you think that maybe all these things that are supposed to be really amazing aren't really that amazing at all. These things, they, they trick us into thinking that they'll fulfill us, they'll satisfy us, they'll make us happy. I mean, when the... The psalmist writes about God bringing us into a spacious place. I think he's talking about these places we grow into that maybe we begin to understand that the only improvements that matter are, are the only improvements that will make us happier and will make us more fulfilled are not those of technology or wealth or, or inventions, but, but of living for God more and more each day. I think if we can ask God to make us see, to take us into these spacious places that we will begin to change, we'll begin to have a fuller understanding of God, fuller understanding of the world, we'll see that maybe it's not so important how much money we have or what clothes we wear or what version of the iPhone we have, where we can go on vacation, where we can go to eat, what car we drive. Because all these things are great, but they don't really make anyone happy or fulfilled. These things that we think are so important, they're actually so restricting. They limit our lives and our stories and our ability to live for God. But as God brings us into these, these spacious places, we'll see that what's important maybe is love. That God loves us exactly how we are. And that, that, that this life is just about loving God and loving others. Living for justice, living for peace. But maybe living so that people who don't have enough to eat can have something to eat. Living in a way that maybe people who don't have a place to stay can have a place to stay. Living so those who don't know God maybe can come to know God. It's about living our lives with God open to the spacious places He's taking us. Well now, brothers and sisters, as we go forward, may, may God give you sight. May God bring you from this place of only hearing about God to actually seeing and knowing Him. May He help you live your life not chasing after wealth or status or possessions, but instead chasing after the only improvements that matter. 
of living our lives more and more for God and God's kingdom every single day. Amen. I'll ask if we could stand together and sing another hymn, Amazing Grace. It has a line, I once, or, I was blind, but now I see.